today on the Tearsheet Podcast. So there's the theme of fragmentation because we transact and interact and, and do commerce in all these different places. And so often we need different solutions or there are different solutions that are better for different use cases. So because we live in that world with digital payments, and because the space is so ripe for disruption and change as new technologies and form factors are coming about, it means we have to take a portfolio approach. So what we do is we look to the external world, we see what our customers are doing, how they're shopping, how they're paying for things, where they're spending their time. And we have to basically evaluate, um, we use data, we do surveys, but we have to apply some editorial judgment as well to say, you know, where do we need to test something or where do we need to try something? Hey, this is Zach Miller, Tearsheet's Editor-in-Chief. I wanted to tell you about our upcoming Convergence Conference. Banks and top fintechs are both headed in the same direction. They're building products and services to handle an increasing share of their customers' needs. Whether our firm started as a bank or a personal finance app, we're all headed in the same direction. Tearsheet's Convergence Conference explores this trend with senior speakers from Chase, Citizens, American Express, KeyBank, Anchorage, and more. Join us September 14th in New York City. Go to the Tearsheet website and click Conferences for more information. The Convergence Conference is sponsored by Publicis Sapien. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. Today's guest on the podcast is Matt Sioka, Head of Global Strategy, Partnerships, and Enablement for Amex Digital Labs. We discuss what it takes to scale new form factors in digital payments. Matt shares how Amex Digital Labs makes investments, chooses partners, and prioritizes its product pipeline across form factors like QR, tokenization, and P2P. Matt gives real-life examples of projects that were headed up by his part of the organization that eventually found a home in American Express's product portfolio. Matt Sioka is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. My name is Matt Sioka. I'm the Vice President of Strategy, Partnerships, and Product Enablement at American Express. I'm part of our Digital Labs leadership team. Um, our team is a global team. We're focused on building the next generation of digital products and partnerships, and we focus in a few different areas. We're looking at digital payments, the future of servicing, and the future of membership experiences. Um, so essentially, our team is meant to be a bit of a catalyst at the company. We have a history of you know, reinvention since we were founded in 1850. Our current lab remit is really to try to help push the company forward into sort of the next chapter and evolution of our businesses um, with a particular focus in the fintech space. That's awesome. How big is the organization? Is, is labs within the, the great organization? It's around... 100, 100, 125 people. It's fluctuated a little bit as we've sort of expanded and evolved the team. And is it a, is it a formalized team or is it sort of cross-functional people who are assigned to, to this type of group? It's a formalized team. So we're sort of viewed as an enterprise center of excellence. So it's a fully dedicated team. We have product managers, business development managers, and a function that we created called product enablement which is really meant to help us program manage key initiatives and help us um, work through stakeholder approvals and um, <clears throat> various controls that we have to go through since we are a, a regulated financial institution. Sure. And, and what's the kind of the workflow? Does, does labs work on an initiative and then it graduates, I guess, to the greater Amex organization? 
We definitely follow that development path. Um, we, you know, there, there are a few different ways work can come about. Sometimes we come up with our own concepts. We create it and incubate it to a certain point. Um, sometimes it'll stick around within the lab's organization for a few years. Uh, and then eventually we, we do have a model to graduate once products reach a certain level of maturity and scale. And when we can find a logical sort of business unit owner somewhere else in the company. Um, sometimes partners or startups come to us with ideas and they want to collaborate on things together. Or sometimes an internal team wants help solving a problem or incubating a new product or service. So in that instance, we might help incubate initially and then the business unit partner um, you know, takes over and continues to manage the product when it launches. That's so interesting, and and obviously it's a, it's a super hot space now, and you guys are on the on the cutting edge of this. Um, I'm kind of curious from your perspective what it takes to scale new new form factors and digital payments. Yeah, it's a great question. It's something that I've been thinking about and experimenting around for for many years now. Um, the way I think about scaling um, and the ecosystem follows kind of looking at a few different dimensions or, or lenses as we're seeing like a new opportunity or a new form factor or technology. Um, first is just thinking about who are the different constituents or groups that would interact or need to support whatever the new payment form factor or feature or technology is. And you kind of have to think about, you know, is each of those entities incentivized to pick up or try the new technology or the new solution? And, um, you know, thinking through what are sort of the barriers that might inhibit it from scaling. So, for example, you have to think about the end user or the consumer. Is this going to be good for them? Does it drive convenience for them? Does it give them greater security? Um, is there some other, like, incentive or offer that they're going to uh, take advantage of if they can use it? And then thinking about merchants or whoever's receiving the payment, will they adopt it? Will they accept it warmly? What does it take to get that done? Um, and then, you know, because when we're talking about digital things, there's a variety of different players involved, whether it's hardware manufacturers like the company making your smartphone or that is creating the software to help your smartphone run or the NFC antenna in your phone to power the payment if that's being used. Um, so you have to think about, do I need to partner with any of those entities? Do I need to distribute an app to get it into the end consumer's hand or to the merchant's hand? Does hardware upgrade, is that part of the equation? Does that need to be considered as well? So you kind of have to think through all of those different implications. And uh, again, going back to for each party that needs to do something, are they going to be motivated to do it? If not, you might have a barrier to scale or you might have to kind of revise what the solution is or what the business model is in order to support the scale and the growth. So, so can you... Um... I don't know if you can talk about uh, initiatives that you're working on, but can you give an example of, of sort of that, uh, that calculus that you just described? Yeah, absolutely. I think peer-to-peer um, -peer payments is probably a good example area to focus on and apply this to. Um, you know, in the U.S., peer-to-peer -peer payments are, are large. There's billions of dollars spent every quarter across a variety of different platforms that customers choose to send money to family and friends. We had seen and watched that trend for many years. Um, however, we also noted that credit cards weren't always a great funding source in that particular use case. So in some platforms, credit cards weren't accepted. 
and other platforms, if they were accepted, there would be a 3% credit card fee to fund. And, you know, at Amex, credit cards are sort of the core of our business. And we felt like there's an issue here and we're kind of missing out. There's this, you know, new digital peer-to-peer payments form factor and use case scaling, and, and we're not a major part of that. So we thought about, you know, a few different ways we could try to provide a solution in the space. We thought about doing our own proprietary peer-to-peer payment platform, um, given that there was so much scale and maturity in a few other platforms in the U.S. in particular, it felt like that wasn't really a great approach to try to get into the mix once we were, you know, so far behind uh, some behaviors and services that customers were really used to using already. So instead of doing that, we thought, well, could we partner with one of the, you know, top platforms? But if we did that, we'd have to make the user experience better and we'd have to, you know, enhance what already exists. So we decided to partner with PayPal and Venmo, um, and we did a few things. One is we found a way to remove the 3% credit card fee that Venmo and PayPal typically charges if you fund with a credit card. And then, you know, that, that made us to be a more viable funding source relative to a debit card or a bank ACH payment on the Venmo or PayPal platform. But that didn't really seem like enough. So we thought further about how could we enhance the experience? Where are there user pain points? Where could this be a better experience? One thing that we noted is it's really difficult to split payments. So let's say you put the money down to pay for the vacation rental house for your group of friends, or you're paying for a group gift for someone, like for a baby shower or a wedding. Um, you know, you have to kind of go through and manually request payments from each individual. And sometimes people might owe different amounts. If it's a meal and they had different entrees or um, order different things. So we decided to introduce a split feature, which lives in the Amex mobile app. And the way it works is you pay the merchant like you normally would. And once you see the transaction in our app, there's a button where you can choose to split it. In the split it experience, Amex will let you select contacts that you want to request money from to be paid back. And it lets you, will automatically calculate an even amount or you can, you know, custom change the amount of people owe different amounts. And we let you sort of track who's paid you back and who hasn't right in our app all in one place instead of initiating, initiating individual requests. And all of this is still done through Venmo or PayPal, whatever the user's platform of choice already is, and the platform that all of their friends are already using. Um, and then we sort of like plus up the experience even further by allowing the customer to apply those funds paid back right directly to their Amex card account. So they don't have to wait for the money to show up in their Venmo or PayPal account and then transfer it to a bank and then pay off their credit card bill. So in those examples, you know, if we tried to introduce something that was competing but wasn't necessarily better, it probably wouldn't scale or gain much traction. So we sort of pivoted that approach and tried to find where there were unique pain points in the experience that we could uniquely solve. Um, and, and that's the approach we've done. And so far, we've seen fantastic traction, a lot of repeat users and customers who are loving the feature and, and the service that we're providing. I really like that example because you took sort of a, a known entity uh, with a known form factor um, and you 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 evolved it or you, you customized it to the Amex experience with Amex at the center. I, I really appreciate that example. Well, how, how do, how do you and labs, I guess, judge success of an implementation like uh, Amex send and split? 
Like, what are your metrics? Yeah, so there we look at a variety of metrics. So certainly um, for a feature like Send and Split, customers have to enroll. It's an opt-in, a fully opt-in experience. So we do look at how many customers have chosen to enroll and link their American Express account with their Venmo or PayPal account. Um, so that is obviously a, a precondition to driving scale. After that, then we look at different metrics um, surrounding the features. So for Send, we're looking at the payment volume that's, uh, that's sent through that Send feature product. And then on the split side, we'll look at the volume of split requests and the engagement there. And the other kind of uh, success factor for us with this particular feature is really around mobile and digital engagement. So we put a lot of this experience in the MX mobile app because we wanted to create that utility and that consistent behavior for customers to come back to a channel that we owned and could talk to them in. Um, and so we also look at how frequently customers come back if they're checking the status of how, you know, who's paid them back and who hasn't. Um, so we look at those metrics as well. And then repeat usage, like I said, just to see, is this like a one-off thing where they try it and sort of forget about it? Or is there a sustainable, repeatable behavior that customers are adopting that um, has longevity? Got it. And it sounds like Labs obviously um, manages a portfolio of performance factors, just like Amex does as a whole. Uh, how do you prioritize what, what projects you're working on? Um, how do you determine what gets your attention and time and energy? Yeah, it's a great question. And to be honest, um, it's something we think about almost daily or weekly. Uh, the way I describe it is we take a bit of a portfolio approach, kind of like a, a venture capital firm, in that, you know, um, in payments in particular, there's so much fragmentation. So think about the last month in your life and all the things that you paid for. You probably couldn't pay for everything that you wanted to with just one product or one solution. Maybe you paid your rent or a mortgage payment through an ACH payment through a bank account. Maybe you tapped your phone to pay in a store. Maybe you used a credit card online or a checkout button. So there's this theme of fragmentation because we transact and interact and, and do commerce in all these different places. And so often we need different solutions or there are different solutions that are better for different use cases. So because we live in that world of digital payments, and because the space is so ripe for disruption and change as new technologies and form factors are coming about, it means we have to take a portfolio approach. So what we do is we look to the external world, we see what our customers are doing, how they're shopping, how they're paying for things, where they're spending their time. And we have to basically evaluate, um, we use data, we do surveys, but we have to apply some editorial judgment as well to say, you know, where do we need to test something or where do we need to try something or where do we need to partner to develop a solution? And so we basically create a map that we call the digital battlefield framework. That mapping, it plots all the key areas where we think we need to watch a trend or a technology or an opportunity or a channel. And we decide how big or small of a bet to place or whether we should just monitor a space and see what's going on and see how things evolve or if it's time to produce a pilot or to do something at much bigger scale, like an Amex send and split type partnership with PayPal and Venmo. So I, I'm curious, Matt, also about, um, you mentioned sort of this look to the, look to the market, look externally, what you're seeing, um, given where we are in history, you know, 
hopefully coming out of the pandemic pretty soon. Um, what kind of trends are you seeing um, from user, user, uh, the user end um, with payments? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the pandemic shifted a lot of behaviors and caused reappraisal for many people and many different aspects of their lives. Um, but there, there are some aspects that, you know, really did have a strong impact on shopping and commerce behaviors and payment behaviors. So, for example, many people decided to move to grocery delivery instead of going to in-stores. That automatically fuels digital payment behavior. It creates some, you know, different needs and use cases around um, paying for that type of uh, purchase predominantly online. Um, same thing with peer-to-peer payments, which we talked about earlier. There is a huge surge in peer-to-peer payments because people no longer want to touch physical money and hand over physical money to friends and family. Or if you're sheltering at home or you're unable to get on an airplane and or you can't see people, you physically can't give them the money and you can't interact in person. So a huge surge in peer-to-peer payments volume is, is part of that. Um, uh, you know, e-commerce overall continues to explode and grow as a piece of that. There was obviously some reduction in, in certain spend categories like travel during the pandemic, but a huge growth in, in other e-commerce and uh, digital retail payments that happened. Um, and then lastly, for folks who were still transacting in store, which there were still people doing that, there was this aversion to you know, touching point-of-sale terminals or touching a stylist to sign something or to punch in a, a, a PIN code. And so contactless became a natural replacement for some of those new concerns that many customers had during the pandemic. So some, for some folks, they decided to tap a phone. For others, they decided to tap their card. Um, so I would say a lot of the solutions or form factors uh, that had grown and kind of helped increase the digital payments volume during the pandemic, many of them existed before the pandemic they weren't necessarily used at the same scale by, or by as many people. So I think what we've seen is this huge shift in sort of the user uh, makeup and, and sort of demographics of uh, users of these different digital payment form factors. And, you know, jury's still out in terms of how that will all kind of play out and what will be sustainable as the world hopefully starts to continue to reopen soon in different countries. But I think some users will realize the convenience that they found or the, the benefit that they liked from the new form factor. Some of those benefits will remain or the behaviors become so ingrained that they will continue post-pandemic. Um, and, you know, the the pandemic isn't going to end with the flip of a switch overnight either way. So there's likely to still be some aversion to physically touching money or physically touching a point of sale terminal that 50 people ahead of you in line might have also touched. So I do believe that contactless and, and certain digital form factors will continue to have some resonance even after the pandemic. Yeah, I agree with that too. I, I don't think we go back to the way the world was. But um, given what you've said and sort of the the table that you've set, like looking forward, like what are, what are some of the big priorities you have looking at the you know the back end of, of 2021 and into next year? Like what are you, what are you, what are you most excited about and and what are your big opportunities? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot to be excited about. Um, there's, you know, a lot of what we're looking at is, is confidential, but um, I would say that we see a lot of continued opportunity and growth in, in the fintech space um, globally. 
a lot of that will be in the digital payments realm. Um, and, you know, much of that involves moving away from sort of card-based or more traditional form factor-based payments. So we, you know, are looking at account-to-account payments in markets like uh, the UK, where we have a pay-with-bank transfer product that allows you to, to pay merchants uh, using a bank account. So I think continued proliferation of just different new form factors and use cases across digital payments um, with, you know, some specificity from one country to the next um, is likely to continue. And then that's an area that we'll keep investing in and focusing on. Uh, I mentioned that we also look beyond payments in our team. So future of servicing will continue to be a big focus area for us. We've, um, we've partnered with folks like uh, the Amazon Alexa team on being able to ask questions and service your account. Um, and we have our Ask Amex messaging-based servicing platform, which allows customers to interact with us in our mobile app. So I think continuing to create uh, new form factors, new ways to interact on the servicing front and to continue to push that forward, which very much requires different digital tools and platforms, that'll continue and that will be a big focus area for us. And, um, you know, we, we keep a big, uh, a big focus on a broader research and development and, and emerging technologies and trends, too. So um, there's a lot in that bucket, whether it's uh, cryptocurrencies and, and digital currencies or other new technologies and form factors out there. So those will always be top of mind for us as well as we evaluate where we think the puck is moving and what we think will be relevant for customers, merchants, partners, and, and other, you know, uh, other folks in the ecosystem. Matt, thanks for joining us on the Tearsheet podcast today. Thanks for having me.